You're listening to the Ed Curation Podcast. We bring you stories from educational leaders about the instructional resources, practices, and movements that are reshaping learning. I've had at least 15 students who have increased more than four grade levels. He used theater as a tool to make great human beings. My expectations are high for all of them. One of the things that I really love about teaching is the fact that every day is sort of unique and different and strange. When searching for any kind of service, whether it be a surgeon or an electrician, we want someone whose skills, practices, and information are up to date with all the newest technology, resources, and research. You'd never choose a doctor who hadn't learned anything new or evolved since graduating from med school 15 years ago. We expect experts to be just that, experts, which is why continual professional learning and development is just part of our job as educators. Information, resources, and research change daily, and to stay polished in our practice, we need to learn and keep learning. We want to, and are expected to, stay on top of the newest brain science, trending topics, best practices to support diverse learners, social-emotional learning, career and technical education, tech integration, STEAM integration, arts integration, changing standards, And that's all in addition to staying current in our own content areas. The budgets and release time to allow for this additional learning can be tight for many districts. Survey results reflect teachers' desire to choose their own learning and to engage in a flexible format. They also want professional learning to be immediately applicable and accredited to allow them to qualify for additional endorsement and compensation. Today, we're speaking to three teachers that have found a resource that provides all of this and more. So we're anxious to hear from them and to share with you. Today, we're welcoming three educators, Rachel Style, Lee Zentara, and Leela Gettle. The resource they've come to share is an online learning platform called Learner's Edge. And for Leela, who in addition to third grade has taught middle and high school special education and reading, Learner's Edge is right in line with her learning style. I've done my um, undergrad and my master's degree and my reading license all online. So this was really a natural transition. Rachel, um, what about you? So I started teaching when I was um, 22. So I've been teaching for a very long time. Um, I teach both English and journalism. That's been my entire career with my background in um, both print and broadcast journalism. So that's most of my day. And then the last year and a half or so, I've started transitioning into the role of a pathways coordinator. So helping kids with college and career readiness. So my day is fairly split between teaching still and helping kind of school-wide with programming. And jumped into Learner's Edge as a student probably about four or five years ago for relicensure mm-hmm. and just loved the courses I took. They were super interactive, just got my brain going and thinking about new things. And you're exclusively with high school, 912. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then Lee, what about you? Hey, um, I am currently in fifth grade, so I'm a public educator. I've been um, in public schools my entire career. I also started at about 23, so a long, long time. This is my 20th year in the classroom. So always intermediate grades. Um, all my classroom time has been fifth and sixth grade. In this environment now where there are a lot of challenges with professional learning, um, it seems like more and more districts are allowing less and less time and less and less money 
for release time and substitute coverage for teachers to get their professional learning. And yet we're at a time where we're needing it more than ever because so much is changing. New technologies are coming to market almost daily. And we obviously last year had to switch everything up around how we were delivering instruction. And so um, there's there's a little bit of a professional learning crisis in some ways because, and teachers, and there's a big focus right now on teacher wellness and teachers just not feeling like they have the support or the information that they need to do their job effectively. But you, the three of you have found a resource that you love and that has supported you in a lot of the ways that we're talking about in really manageable ways um, that didn't require a lot of release time and substitute coverage and flying to conferences um, called Learner's Edge. So I would love for each of you to share how you first heard about and got involved with Learner's Edge. It started because one of my uh, coworkers, colleagues had taken the class. I took about, I don't know, about four classes, but to lane change, to make the lane changes without having to make the commitment to a like a graduate program per se. Mm-hmm. So, you know, cause I, I didn't need a whole bunch of credits. I just needed like little, little snippets in between my lane changes. Um, that's how I came to it. I really enjoy it because well, I like online learning. So mm-hmm. it was pretty natural for me. If you're listening and wondering about the terminology of lane changes, it has to do with how additional education advances your salary as an educator. The system and vocabulary varies state by state and district by district, but generally teachers start at a base salary with a bachelor's degree. And then for each 15 credits after the bachelor's degree, you qualify for a salary increase or in educational terms, a lane change. Rachel, say again how you got introduced to Learner's Edge. Yeah, so five years ago, um, our district had a huge initiative for project-based learning, took us out to the Buck Institute, kind of a traveling PD circus. Um, and I just I fell in love with the concept, um, profession-based learning, project-based learning, and I wanted to further my knowledge to be able to apply it. And so when my colleague said she was taking a summer class at Learner's Edge, and so I looked into it and they had a course on project-based learning. They also had another one called Making Curriculum Pop. So it was looking at multimodal literacies and how to really engage your students in the classroom in a really interactive way. And so both of those seemed like really good pairings for the kind of teaching I do is very interactive with my students. Um, So I took both of those classes that summer for the same reason Leela did to get my continuing education hours. And I had already had my master's. So it was really more about the credit hours and just improving my uh, performance as an educator, how to make a better experience for my kids. So landed on those two. And then, like I said, at the end of that summer, I just was so impressed with Learner's Edge compared to some of the other mail-in courses I had done in the past. What about you, Lee? How did you get, how did you start? How did you learn about Learner's Edge? Yeah, you know, my my first introduction was I had been accepted to a in-person master's program at St. St. Mary's and I needed to transfer credits in. There were so many credits that I could transfer in to my master's program and actually was given the name randomly by St. Mary's and said, "Hey, you know, we accept credits from this online um 
this online school and we, um, we really recommend that you take these credits. They're way less expensive than the ones that you're going to do here at, at St. Mary's. So they recommended transferring those credits in. So I did that pre doing my master's. And then after my master's, I've just continued taking courses um, towards lane changes. So I think that's an important point. First of all, that um, the, the price point is really desirable and helpful for for teachers, especially teachers who are wanting to make lane changes, as you referred to. But then also just the fact that that you can kind of choose, pick and choose, and the credits transfer is what I'm understanding. Yeah, they absolutely do. They transfer, um, you know, to most universities, um, public and private universities also, you know, to your district. And definitely I, I would recommend to anybody check with your, your district because there's um, Learner's Edge has university partners and um, certain districts will accept certain university partners. So my district, for example, um, will take Augustana credits. So Learner's Edge is connected to Augustana and that's actually where my credits come from, which is approved by my district. Okay. So I would love to know from all of you and jump in whoever would, who whoever's eager to answer this question, but um, there are there courses pretty much for a teacher listening from any grade level, K-12, um, almost any content area, they're going to find something at Learner's Edge. Absolutely. Pre-K to 12th grade, um, any specialist, um, any content area teachers, they even have a section as you're looking for non, non-classroom teachers. If you're doing other you know, social workers, behavior specialists, uh, any roles in education are going to find courses applicable to their to the roles. Quick note, we've been talking about lane changes, but just to be clear, you can also work toward and complete your entire graduate degree and beyond at your own pace from Learner's Edge. Rachel mentioned a new program through New South Hampshire University. It's a fully online Master's of Education program. They um, essentially have buckets of courses, and so our students have to take a certain amount of courses in each of the different content areas over their time throughout the program. And so it's highly research-based, good, um, strong pedagogy, reflection, content. They also have um, teacher wellness program uh, classes to take for for teachers' mental health and uh, not to burn out. And um, my district accepted that, even though it's not part, you know, along my licensure, but they still accepted that. I, I didn't take it, but one of my colleagues did. And I thought that was really great that they, um, you know, valued teacher mental health. I mean, honestly, shouldn't that be part of everybody's licensure? Yes. Yes. <laughs> they also do meet all of the licensure requirements. So cultural competency, you know, and I, they might vary by, obviously varies by state but I can speak for all of the Minnesota licensing requirements. They do make sure that they have at least one course for every competency for relicensure. Is this used in your district, like district-wide? Does the director of professional learning, you know, promote these courses, make these available to teachers? Is it it used on any kind of a school or district-wide level for any of you? Not officially in my district. I'm in North St. Paul, Maple Oakdale. I'm not officially, but there are um, many teachers that and I'm sure we'll get to this, but that do groups together and do the learning as groups. So kind of unofficially not guided by administrators. Okay. 
So what, give an example of one of those groups, like what would a group of teachers do? Um, So we have some groups of teachers that just together decide to take the same courses. Um, And there's also a pricing discount. If you have, you know, two or more, you get a certain pricing discount. If you have a a larger group, 10 plus, you'll, you know, get more off your courses. So they just, they uh, decide to do them together. They learn together. We also have some, some teachers that have done an option is a a book club study through Learner's Edge. You can do one a year. So they've, they've gotten together and actually had the books that they want to learn about approved through Learner's Edge. Okay. And the district will, well, some districts will, some districts won't, you know, pay for that. But I'm, I'm guessing that some districts would pay for that through professional learning money. Learner's Edge also allows the collaboration option. So like Lee was saying, if you and your colleagues want to take the same course, maybe you're grade level partners. And so rather than create two separate lesson plans, you can work collaboratively on a particular part of a course or module. And so you fill out a collaboration request and it's just a great way to promote collaborative work in a district. I love that. Um, so who, where do these courses come from? Who designs them? Who teaches them? They have design teams, uh, curriculum specialists, then also input from um, somebody who is actually in the classroom from the evaluators from us as far as what we think, you know, I mean, there's content and then there's what works for teachers to learn in a course, you know, they're kind of two different things. So they can put on both levels. Okay. So there's not necessarily a professor and not, it's all asynchronous. You don't, you're never meeting with a class or a professor. It's all in your own time, self-paced. Yep. But one thing that that's really nice is the curriculum, in my opinion, they ask higher order thinking skills. So it's not just a, you know, a right or a complete right or wrong answer, you know, I mean, there is, but I mean, you, it's interpretable and you got to read and, you know, so I like that because so that lends to better learning. Too. So how does it work with evaluation and feedback then as you're making your way through the course? So every, every course kind of has a formula to it. Um, they're either one, two or three credit courses and based on the credit, that's how many modules a student will complete. And within a module, it can range from anywhere from maybe four to six different applications is the term. Mm-hmm. Um, and so students will you know, prior to doing the module, do some reading or some creation, depending on what's required within that particular module. And then they essentially submit an entire module at a time. Then we will respond to that student using kind of what we call our unique positive feedback. So we will generally look for, you know, obviously completion, but quality. And then we usually try to identify anywhere for two or more unique um, pieces of feedback for that individual student and then we essentially send it back to them before they move on to the next module. Okay. So can I just ask, I, I'm going to sound a little bit like devil's advocate here, but um, I don't mean to. I told you guys I was in the classroom for a hundred years, uh, somewhere around that. I might've rounded up just a titch, but, um, but I also worked as a professional developer and the company that I worked for really in response to the district's request wanted to go more and more toward digital professional learning versus flying people around to, you know, meet with groups of teachers and do workshop style professional learning, which has been the traditional model. And I wasn't, I I wasn't resistant just because it was my job and I didn't want to lose my job, but because I've never seen digital learning that can take the place of people collaborating in a room together and having those moments of discussion and discovery that lead to new ways of thinking. 
I've never seen digital learning that can do that. And Leela, you said you love online learning. So tell me why. I never really liked the discussion post as, you know, that you had the dis- discussion post as a student. But when you did, um, you learned a lot because you had to make sure that you were um, crafting your response very, you know, articulately. To, and so, because you wanted to get your message across and not be wordy. So to me, that that lend to better learning for, for me. I don't think it's better or worse. I just think it's different. Okay. And engagement wise, it, you really, you just like any learning, you're going to get out what you put in, I guess. Do either of you have anything to add to that question, Rachel or Lee? I mean, un- unlike Leela, I do, I do not like digital learning. I came from a time when that was not a thing. I have had to learn everything, you know, new about digital learning. I will always choose an in-person class. So the fact that I enjoy Learner's Edge, I think speaks um, volumes. I had never taken an online course and until Learner's Edge, my undergraduate, even my master's after I, I you know, I, I picked to do an in-person program, but it's not just reading, responding, reading, responding, just the the multimedia that they use, you know, it within a module. I'm, I'm listening to a podcast. I'm, you know, listening to a blog. I'm hearing a TED talk. I am doing reading. I'm responding. I'm charting something. I mean, it's, it just is gives options to what I think of as kind of a typical online course. And most of the courses, they will send up a real paper book that I can reference as I'm going through the course, which I also like. Rachel, do you have anything you want to say in, in defense and favor of digital learning? I think they're two really different, two really different goals. And so kind of like Lee, I did all of my undergrad and graduate work in person. Um, but I think this is this fulfills maybe a different need than what we consider our typical like workshop structures. And so I think they're just two really different avenues. Um, for me, the, the type of learning I did in Learners Edge was really about personal professional development, which is different than maybe I'm going through an English department curriculum review, and that should be collaborative and should be in person. I think that they're, they're both great for their own unique needs. I know you've all taken multiple courses and evaluated a lot of courses. What has been your favorite course that you've engaged in from Learner's Edge? And tell us about why you loved it. Okay, I'm going to tell you my favorite. I'm going to tell you the title. And then you're, you can't not love this course. It's a title is Living Your Best Life Inside and Outside of the Classroom. And when I saw that name, I just said, I, I need to take that. It was under the Educator Wellness and... I, I just enjoyed every bit of it. It was just examining um, being a happy person, being a happy person, being fulfilled in your personal life leads to being a better educator. That sounds like a course that we all need. Can right? you tell us some of the ways, Lee, that you have applied your learning from that course? So just thinking about what my day looks like and how I'm going to fit in um, my walks and my music and the things that I enjoy. So I, I mentioned two at the onset that I took as a student, but the two that I, um, I'm currently evaluating um, that I just love are um, incorporating mindfulness strategies and so looking at, you know, maybe piggybacking a little bit on what we just said, how we can help our students kind of self-regulate and use those simple strategies in the classroom, you know, to kind of center ourselves. Um, and the other one I'm teaching right now, it's um, teaching media literacy in a fake news world. 
And at least for my age group of these kids are like on their social media, it's like an umbilical cord and just, it's so fascinating to see the aha moments of the students in this class as they see statistics and learn about the impact of, you know, our connection to media and misinformation and fake news and things like that. It's just, I don't think I've seen students have as many aha moments, like, oh my gosh, like as a parent, as a teacher, you know, that kind of thing. So that one's just a kick to teach because, you know, when they get to that reflection section, every single person is floored. Yeah. I I wish I would have known this sooner kind of thing. It's like watching, I don't know if any of you have watched the documentary, um, Social Dilemma on Netflix. Yes. Oh God. I mean, it's just the scariest thing ever. So a lot of these courses have resources, pedagogy, lesson plans, ideas that you take and you can apply them immediately in your classroom. So it goes straight from you to your students. Well, the class I loved was the Google Docs. I love that because I did use it like literally the next day after I created my assignment, I used it in my classroom. It was to teach um, students how to make you don't save a Google Doc, you know, but how to make one and share one to title it and share it with me. So it was very useful. So helpful. Um, so you have all, because you became such huge fans of Learner's Edge, you now, um, you kind of moonlight or sideline with Learner's Edge um, with a role as in the role of evaluator. Yeah, it's our role as evaluator. It's our job to essentially, um, ensure that the student has met all the requirements of the course um, within each module, and then also to provide some feedback. And that feedback could be, you know, recognizing or celebrating something they put in that module. You know, maybe they uh, crafted a lesson and we're going to give them some feedback, or you could even just be asking questions to help them continue to reflect and um, further their learning even after they're done with the course. And so um, those are kind of the, the three things that I usually do when I'm responding to my, to my students. One thing that I think Learner's Edge really does to set ourselves apart from other maybe uh, continuing education organizations is we try to really make sure that we're providing personal feedback as evaluators um, instead of just maybe like a generic cookie cutter, like you got an A or whatever. Um, so trying to make sure we do that in a timely fashion. I think it, it's worth mentioning. I mean, how many people have taken, you know, a graduate course and your instructor hasn't stepped foot in a classroom in 20 years and you're thinking, thanks, but do you really know, you know, what I'm, what I'm saying? Are you connecting to this? So as I'm giving feedback, I'm, you know, I'm thinking, oh my, yes, like that just, I, that happened to me yesterday. Let me tell you what I did. Let me, you know, so you're, I mean, you're, someone is, is giving you feedback that's there. I mean, we're on, we're on the front lines of it. We, um, you know, we know what you're going through. One thing I like, too, is uh, there's teachers from all across the country and even sometimes internationally, and we all have good ideas. And, you know, so it's kind of fun, like, oh, wow. And then I can put that in my toolbox and I can share that. You get to interact with students from all over the country. Yes. And what is the time commitment for you as an evaluator? And do you get to pretty much work your own hours and schedule it around the rest of your life? Yeah, you, I mean, you can log on and evaluate any time that works for you. It's obviously, it's busier at course end. So there's um, course courses end different times of the year. So we just had a course end in November. We have another one in April, in August. I mean, so at those, when the, all the coursework is due, it's it's a heavier, more hours. But um, otherwise, it's it's whenever you you have time to do it. How much time do you personally 
spend evaluating each week, Lee, would you say? Um, on a non-course and time, probably I have two two courses less than five hours, maybe around five hours. Okay. And you're currently evaluating two courses, but you could be evaluating one course or three. I love how you get to um, just do it. You have a window that you do it in. So sometimes it's 11 at night. Sometimes it's six in the morning. Sometimes it's, you know, right in the afternoon or whenever you can fit it in. So, okay. I appreciate that a lot. Yeah. Rachel, how many courses at a time do you evaluate? I have quite a few. Um, This is my kids college fund. And so now that they're in high school, I'm doing more. Um, I do four courses generally. So in the summer, I am working about a 40 hour work week during the year. Um, it, it does, you know, definitely taper off right now. This We just finished a term. I would say probably those last couple of weeks of the term, I was working about 10 hours a week on the four courses. Um, and, and it kind of ebbs and flows. Like sometimes I have courses that are really big. Um, like I, one of mine is a um, PBIS. And last year, nobody took it. We weren't in the classroom. People didn't need PBIS strategies. Now that we're back and kids are like um, behaviorally and developmentally behind, that one just shot right up. So it it does really kind of depend on your registration and enrollment. Okay. And yeah, your pacing. I mean, I would imagine that one of the huge advantages to being an evaluator is that you essentially get access to the content of the course. It's like taking the course, right? Would you say that that's your favorite thing about being an evaluator or what would you say is your favorite thing? My favorite thing is just is hearing the stories, hearing, you know, when, when people are learning, they're, they're sharing their, you know, you said, Rachel, their aha moments and, you know, their journeys in education. And, and I just, I love getting the ideas for my own, for my own classroom um, and just being able to do something. I mean, of course, at, you know, I mean, I don't think it's a secret that educators aren't the highest paid profession out there. So being able to do something on the side where I'm I'm using the skills that I have, of course, I could go work as a waitress in the evening, but to be able to use the, the skills that I have and what I like to do is, is ideal. What about you, Lila and Rachel? What would be, what would you say is your favorite thing? Um, I, I, I kind of echo what, what you guys have both said. I love being a student as well as an evaluator, because I feel like I'm always learning. Um, two of the courses um, I evaluate are things I'm teaching myself. And so it's always really fun, even if it's in a different discipline. Um, one of them has a section on like, what are three get to know you activities? And so I'm always like, oh, that's a good one. I got to like, Remember make sure that. I make a note of that. And so I, I'm a better teacher because I do this. Mm. And I think the last thing is just the flexibility. Like you guys said, I mean, I could do a lot of other things, but I can work from home. I can work when I want. I could still be here to, you know, drive my kids around if I need to and mm-hmm. fit it into my schedule. And so it's been... Um, yeah, I mean, my family just kind of knows my computer goes everywhere. I do it in the car, <laughs> I do yeah. it, you know, all over the place. So. A great sideline. What would you say are some of the courses that are available through Learner's Edge that wouldn't occur to people? What are some of the unique ones? There's a lot of, um, you know, special population courses. There's content areas, which I, I think is unique. I mean, as a, as, you know, a STEM teacher or a um, you know, a music teacher, they do have courses specific to different content areas. Um, and then the, you know, blended learning, culture and language, SEL, I mean, really any, any area that you have an interest in. Is this, and it's available to any teacher listening. So if I ask, who would you suggest check this out? Would you just say any K-12 teacher who's looking for any kind of professional learning? I've had, I've had Paris take it too. So do, you don't even have to be a teacher? No. 
Yeah. Well, social workers take it. Uh, I have, I, in my course, a lot of um, speech pathologists take my course because it's early literacy. Okay. So, but no, when I was a student, I didn't have to submit my graduate degree to, in order to take it. Almost any industry that works with people would probably find something at Learner's Edge, I'm guessing. And definitely any tier of educators. There's probably things in there for administrators, I'm guessing. Uh, yeah, there, there absolutely is. There's also, I know, courses for instructional coaches if you're in yeah, any area of leadership. Yeah, definitely. If you if you have any, if you work with a ch- children at all, you will find something. Yeah. Okay. And you said that there are group discounts. Is there anything I didn't ask you that you'd love for people to know about Learner's Edge? I was one credit short from a lane change. So instead of having to take a three credit course with all that extra work and all that money that went to, I, I found a one credit course. So it, it got me to that little, you know, just that little bridge. It just needed that little bit and it got me there. And it was for like um, mental health for students and suicide awareness and all that kind of stuff. So it was very pertinent to any, like any human, but any, especially education. So that I really appreciated as a student. I'll add one more tiny little thing. And this is really um, from an evaluator perspective. They started something two years ago where if we evaluate a course that is related to relicensure for us, even if we didn't necessarily take the course once a year, we can apply and they'll give us like a certificate of hours of completion. So for example, I evaluate the PBIS, Positive Behavior Intervention Systems. I don't teach elementary, but that counted towards one of the different six elements in the state of Minnesota for relicensure. Every evaluator is eligible for a course they evaluate if it meets relicensure that you can get credit for it. That is a huge advantage. Mm -hmm. That's like, well, I mean, double dipping, but not in a bad way, right? So you're getting the course, you're getting the credit, and you're getting paid to be an evaluator. So good. This sounds like a great sideline for any educator. You can find links to Learner's Edge Continuing Education for Teachers in the episode notes, or you can simply go to edcuration.com and search Learner's Edge. Request a course catalog, learn about what's available in the fall session, or learn about how to become a course evaluator. You'll be amazed by the seemingly endless selection of great courses searchable by content area, trending topics, and grade bands. If you're not ready to commit the time and money to a full-on graduate-level course at Learner's Edge, be sure to browse the brief, fun, and free micro-professional learning explorations at edcuration.com. You'll find explorations on a wide variety of relevant topics to be completed at your own pace with downloadable and linked resources included along with a certificate of completion for license renewal credits. You'll also find our upcoming events, our blog, and all of our podcast episodes. If you have a resource or topic you'd like to share with our audience, reach out to us at edcuration.com. Thanks for listening. And we hope you'll join us again next week on the Ed Curation Podcast, where we're reshaping learning.